It's time to start rallying around America's young conservatives and explore what it means to be a young Republican in the 21st century, in a world where it seems like everyone under 30 must be a liberal. These are the stories you haven't heard before from the voices of America's young conservatives. So let's find out what it truly means to be raised right. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Raised Right Podcast. I hope you all had a very happy Thanksgiving and are getting ready for Christmas and the new year. I can't believe this year is already almost over. It seems like it it goes by so fast. So for those of you that don't know me, I'm your host, Rayleigh Klein, and I started this podcast as kind of the, the byproduct of my own experiences as a young conservative in what seems and really is a very liberal world out there and I wanted other young conservatives to have a place where they could share their stories and their experiences of what it's like to be Republican and conservative and outwardly spoken about it in an age where it seems like anybody under 30 has to be a liberal, which is not the case at all. So for this episode, I'm very excited to share with you a conversation that I had with my dear friend John Smith of Backyard Politics. Um, He invited me on his show to kind of talk about a big current event breaking here in Arizona that has to do with Kyle Rittenhouse. So, of course, you know, we have the trial and um, he's found not guilty on all five accounts. And he was looking at going to college here at Arizona State University, which is literally in our backyard. And I've had my own run-ins with this university before. And if you want the full story of that, you can listen to the first episode of this podcast called There's Always More to the Story, Folks. Um, But recently, Kyle, you know, under announcing that he was looking at enrollment here at ASU, a group of students uh, put together a protest and a public announcement to get him unenrolled. And the group for students of socialism couple different multicultural organizations all kind of came together to push Kyle out say that they don't want this mass murderer and this killer and this racist on the ASU campus and this case has been something I've been so passionate about and was really excited to be able to talk about the local connection that we have to it now um, with my friend John on, on his show so I hope you enjoy it we go into a lot but I think it's really important to kind of understand and get a look into what conservatives are facing on college campuses and just how much of a backbone the administrations are lacking and how these kids are literally bullying and, and running the show so take a listen uh, Rayleigh I, t- I, I gotta tell you you're quite um, you're a confident young lady and uh, uh I guess brave is the word to go out there and talk about these things because we know that the left doesn't want this type of stuff being talked about. Right. Yeah. Right. I, exactly. Let, let me jump in and just add to that very quickly, John Rayleigh, I will tell you that <clears throat> it's my belief. If there were more people like you on campuses, when I was in college, we would have been more outspoken because of people like you being outspoken. And we might not be, as far into this, you know, this political debacle and this leftist uh, place we are right now, we we, we ne- can't necessarily change the administration of the universities and the funding the funding they're getting from leftist, uh, you know, stakeholders. But um, when people like you speak out, you help other people speak out. So I think if there were more people like you on campus 25 years ago, we'd probably be in a better place because it would have 
it would have helped stave off some of the snowballing effect of this um, of, of what's going on right now. So just wanted to add that, but don't want to don't want to delay getting to the to the topic. Oh, thank you. Well, this uh, this information just came out. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Phoenix New Times. It's a, a kind of a liberal left wing rag uh, that's around the valley. But Phoenix New Times is now reporting Kyle Rittenhouse has apparently dropped his Arizona State University classes. There have not been any confirmations or explanations why his classes have been dropped, though. So that's interesting. I don't know if um, have have you heard uh, really any of the details about this this situation down at ASU? Are you getting any inside information from any of your compies down there? Not particularly. I know that he was enrolled online um, that were kind of like introductory classes. I know the university put out a statement saying that he was not attending in person. And then it was, he's not enrolled at all, but he was just taking online classes. He was working towards being enrolled in the nursing school, which should have been on the downtown campus, which is where I was as well. Um, and then kind of announced after his trial came to a close that he was looking at attending Arizona State. Interesting. Okay. All right. This is something that Kelly Townsend uh, she's one of the senators here in the uh, state of Arizona. She put out, uh, she said, I think that if Michael Crow bends to the pressure to disenroll Kyle Rittenhouse from ASU, that would be a huge mistake on his part with far-reaching repercussions. And then she put two hashtags, acquitted jury of peers. So mm -hmm. Michael Crow, he's the current president at ASU. That's correct, right? Correct. Did you happen to have any run-ins with this Michael Crow character with your situation? <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because the very first thing that I told my family when this happened was that, of course, Michael Crow is just sitting in his office being silent when all this is going on. And he has a, a tendency to do that time and time again. I had never, ever heard anything from the president of my own university about my lawsuit when I'm literally suing them. Never heard from the president until it was said and done, and then he wanted to do this pretentious victory lap on a on an article as if they had somehow won something. And really, I was the one that got a paycheck, not them. But <laughs> it was um, it was very interesting, just saying that I had you know some personal issues to work through that I had made everything up. It was just a really weird way for him to come out of you know hiding in his office essentially to say something. But of course, we haven't heard anything about this and I highly doubt that we will. Unbelievable. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. He, he seems to be the type of person that hides from uh bad publicity. He doesn't want to come out and tackle it head on. Uh and like you said, he didn't have much to say until your trial your your case, not trial, but your case was over and mm -hmm. uh ASU did give you a payout. Now, it wasn't obviously a ton of money and that wasn't what you were looking for anyway. Right. You just wanted right. to bring attention, right, to uh, the cancel culture there. Yeah, I mean, from the beginning, it was never about money. It was about calling attention to what not only myself, but thousands of students across the country are dealing with every single day. And by getting national news attention on that and putting reality in the headlines, that was the goal, was to just wake people up, especially parents and financial contributors to these universities, to what they're paying and putting their students into that experiences and what we were being sold. Unbelievable. Now, Tyke and I, uh, we're about the same age, right? Tyke, I think you're a little younger than I am. Yeah. You're older than me. I'm old. <laughs> you're younger. Come on, be nice now. Uh, 
But uh, I uh, I went to Penn State University. Tyke went to uh, the, the Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah, I know yes. the Ohio State. And uh, I'm sure Tyke, when you were on campus, uh, there were there's liberal factions that were out protesting somewhere on the main lawn or whatever they called it over there at Ohio State. Uh, at Penn State, it was called Old Main, and they would have uh, <clears throat> big protests out there uh, for their liberal cause. Uh, but most of the time, it wasn't. Uh, you know, it was about putting up more lighting so that women feel safer when they're walking to class at night, uh, bringing awareness to rape on campus, that type of stuff, uh, trying to keep abortion legal, you know, the typical left wing stuff. But now, now it's gotten so uh, the vitriol is unbelievable. And I want to talk to you about that, Rayleigh. What is it mm -hmm. like? What is the political climate like? on the ASU campus, especially if you're a conservative. Right. Well, John, the truth of the matter is that the people who are discriminated against on college campuses today are not the minorities. Okay. It's not these, these clubs of the students for socialism, students for Justin and Palestine, multicultural students. They have more safe spaces and more places to find comfort than I probably ever will in my life. There's more opportunity for them to succeed than anyone on that campus. It's the conservatives who are discriminated against. We are targeted. We are silenced. I mean, if you dare to speak up and say that you lean red, you're going to be pretty much, you know, pushed out of every circle that you find yourself in if you own that. And so it's so disappointing for me, you know, to come in and to have gone through that and to look back and say, gosh, the first two years of college, I just, I played the game, you know, I, I didn't say much in class. I wrote the papers, the lean liberals, like you get that A plus. And um, it wasn't really until I started to say, okay, this, this isn't, this isn't right. This is crossing legal lines. This is crossing constitutional lines. We got to stand up and, and push back against something. But um, the people that make the biggest scene and the biggest scandal have more safe spaces than we ever will. And so being conservative on campus, it's, it's tough. It's very lonely. It's very challenging. Um, but that was why I pushed my lawsuit and why I started my podcast was to let people know that they're not alone and they don't have to hide because they believe what they believe. Yeah. And that's interesting. That's interesting to hear that you're saying that these my, like these little minority groups, um, like the students for socialism, they have places to go, places to be kind of kept away from people that disagree with them. I guess what you would call mm -hmm. safe places and that type of stuff. Right. And there's nothing like that for a young conservative. Nothing. No. And nor should there be. I mean, there's no safe spaces in the real world. When you meet someone at work you don't like, you get to go crawl in a corner and cry about it to someone else that believes the same as you. Like, that's <laughs> that's not life. That's not how the real world works. And so to be creating these spaces for them to push back against anybody that doesn't believe the exact same thing they do is ridiculous to me. Yeah, you know, that's interesting that you say that, too, because I've heard and I'm, you know, I, I just got out of corporate America. Thank God. And, uh, you know, you've got the HR department and that's kind of a safe place, right? You can go to the HR guy or HR gal and sit in, mm -hmm. in their office and cry and, you know, be the little wimp that you are and that type of stuff and complain about everybody. 
But from my understanding is that these CEOs of this corporate, these corporate America uh, companies and Tyke, maybe you have some insight on this uh, because I know you're still in corporate America, but yeah. they're starting to build because these people that demanded this on campus. Now, these people are starting to work in companies and get into management and upper management, uh, you know, spaces. And now they're starting to create these safe spaces or safe places inside their company. That's what I've heard. Yeah. So it's starting to reflect what college campuses looked like 10 years ago. Yeah. And and I've said this on the show before, and I'll say it again. When, when we joined the workforce, John, we were expected to comply with social and professional norms of the, of the office we joined. Uh, If there were, if it was suit and tie, we were expected to wear a suit and tie. If it was, Sir and ma'am, we were expected to say, sir and ma'am, we, we adopted the culture that had been set before us. For some reason, about probably uh, 10 years after, 10 or 15 years after we joined the workforce, you know, the the Generation X people started, the Millennials, Generation X, start, or no, we are Generation X, sorry, I'm misstating that. The Millennials started entering the workforce, and corporations, for some reason, felt the need to start to bow to their political social needs and you know 20 some years ago when i lived in pennsylvania and worked there in downtown we saw this coming and we said my god what, what's next you know they're deciding the dress codes and the culture and what you can and can't do we weren't afforded that we were expected to comply with professionalism that was set before us the, the standards that were set years years and years in in corporate culture today it is very common to see people uh, companies hiring diversity captains, diversity, there's a, a numerous amount of names for them, but basically they're paying people at the C-level and then those C-level people will pay, will, will hire teams of people underneath of them to basically both uh, promote diversity, which in some cases, in some levels, that's fine, but also to create almost this diversity police force within the corporation. So you have people that you're working with day in and day out that their primary role isn't diversity, but they belong to a diversity team. They, and, and these people are incented in some sense to keep corporate advised on what's going on in you know, one-off meetings or having to work on projects, et cetera. So yeah, they're, they're definitely starting to take that college culture that's been prevalent for the past 20 years and apply it to corporate and it's really once again it's just letting the tail wag the dog and we have multi-billion dollar corporations that are looking at people with zero experience zero tolerance have really and and really no offense to you or anybody your age it's just the reality of you, you you do gain wisdom hopefully you gain wisdom from life not everybody does uh but we we look at those people and we say well you get to set the standard we're going to bow to your standards, and I it it is it's uh, it's infuriating sometimes. But yeah, and yes, there are corporations definitely looking at building those safe spaces, um, you know, and, and even in physical ways, yes, but also in non-physical ways. For instance, uh, making sure that anybody who des- desires can add their own pronouns to their title, their name in the company address book now. That's a very common thing, and we feel, I feel personally, my personal opinion, 
that type of thing is going to be required very soon. Oh yeah. You can't just remain, you can't just remain so-and-so at such and such company. You're going to have to be so-and-so and I identify as. Yeah. I, uh, I pick up my groceries. I don't go, they still do the free uh, pickup at, at uh, the fries down the street for me. So I pick up my groceries. We, you know, we uh, go into the, the fries app and, and uh, you know, place our order and then we pick them up. And uh, there's a, a young man who um, dresses like a young lady and his name tag says us, them, they, that's all the name tag says us, them, they. So that's even happening within the Kroger organization already at the ground level. But Ray, uh, Rayleigh, let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're in a, um, a class and you're in a, uh, I, I don't know, uh, a journalism class and you're all talking, it's like a discussion and, uh, the instructor brings up or the professor, whatever you want to call the person brings up the Kyle Rittenhouse, um, you know, the whole situation, the trial, the verdict, etc. You as a conservative, let's say you take that stance and you say, okay, you know, he was clearly in self-defense. He wasn't a mass shooter. He had 30 bullets in his AR, but he only fired five of them or six of them. He only fired at people that were trying to attack him and hurt him and possibly kill him. How would you be treated by the professor or the instructor in that class? Would it be an open discussion? Or would that person allow the little leftists in the class to just come after you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if I did it now, they'd probably have to listen because they know if they shut me down, I'm going to sue them. But <laughs> when I first walked in, I mean, I had teachers like that that would talk about current news events. And I mean, if you said anything against what they were preaching, you had every single, I mean, if there's 30 people in that class, you had 60 eyeballs on you looking like you had two green heads because you dared to push back against something. And so it boils down, you know, to the individual when you're in a situation and there's that much pressure do you cave to the fear and just sit down and shut up or do you you speak up and say you know look this is the other side of it and it's hard I mean I've been doing it since high school but I didn't do it in a way to argue with the professor or another student I did it for all the other kids in my classroom who never got the chance to understand both sides and make that decision for themselves so I consider myself a first amendment fighter I don't want everybody to believe the same thing I do. That that would be hypocritical of me to approach things that way. But I want everybody to have the right and accurate information from both sides to be able to make the standpoint and the belief that is best for them. And so often you only get shown one side. So, of course, you're going to believe that. Of course, Kyle Rittenhouse is going to be a murderer to you if you think, oh, my God, he's got an AR. He walks out on the street and just shoots up people. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you put it that way. That sounds like a murderer. But you introduced the new facts of what, you know, really happened. Same with Jacob Blake in my, my incident. Right. You get the facts introduced and it yeah. changes the total, total narrative. It's just messed up if you, you put all the truth in. Yeah. And that's an interesting, that's interesting that you bring up Jacob Blake again, because yeah, that, what you said was actually facts. It was facts. It was truth. And uh, the little leftists on ASU, man, they came after you and they did everything they could to get you out of there. And uh, unfortunately, they succeeded uh, to an extent, right? They succeeded to an extent. Mm -hmm. But um, Jacob Blake was the whole reason 
that Kenosha happened in the first place, right? They were out there to protest. And the sad thing is, is the media lied about Jacob Blake and the whole situation. And so when the truth finally came out about Jacob Blake, it was too late. And so Mm -hmm. uh, the anger was already there. The Kenosha, Wisconsin was already being destroyed. These car lots and these buildings, there were over 40 buildings in Kenosha that are ultimately destroyed in hundreds of buildings that, uh, that got serious damage done to them because of these looters and rioters and, and, uh, these crazy people. And right. so that's, isn't that, I mean, you're, you're a graduate from the Walter Cronkite school of journalism. Isn't that what, obviously there's no journalistic integrity anymore. It doesn't seem like Not- it. No, it, it's dead. It is completely dead. And that's why my career path kind of took a different route was because when if somebody didn't watch any of the trial lives and only followed the headlines from major news net- networks about what was going on in the trial, they would have thought it was the most racist thing ever. And they would have thought for sure he would have been indicted on all five charges without a doubt, because it's so slanted anymore. There's the truth. It doesn't exist. And going back to the Kenosha protest, I mean, when you have a building on fire behind you and say that it's a mostly peaceful protest, like, I'm sorry, that's just not the truth. That's not what journalism is supposed to be. So no wonder people had to start going out and defending their towns and their cities. And for a 17 year old boy to have to go out and protect businesses and people when grown men shut up their windows and hidden houses. I mean, right. America needs so much help right now. Yeah. Especially yeah, journalism. That is so, so well stated. That's exactly that, and that's exactly the situation we find ourselves in. For years, we have we've been tamped down so badly that we almost have to look to your generation to say, you know, you have to rise up and you have to really defend us and come to our rescue. Because you're right, there should have been grown men. Number one, there should have been law enforcement on the streets tamping that down. Two, right. there should have been grown men out there doing the right thing. And it falls to a 17-year-old kid, and now he's being completely and totally unjustly uh just railed on for this and his his life they're trying to destroy mm-hmm. his life and and i'll tell you something you said uh through the exchange there with john um can't remember just pointing out the lawsuit you know it, it was uh, uh sam what's the kid's name that sued cnn salmon oh gosh i can't remember Order. he was in a what was it or, are I, you talking I, about the young man matt um that that was uh, that sued CNN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was. Uh, Sam, I think his last name was Salmon. I can't remember his yeah, name. I think but so. Yeah. So it, the defamation lawsuit is two hundred fifty million dollars, and Cal Rittenhouse right. has filed. I think it's a four hundred million dollar lawsuit. If you think back into the eighties and the probably even into the mid nineties, this is how liberals gained control of our school systems and partially our culture, how they started to indoctrinate kids, they started on the lawsuits. They started suing for anything. Oh, you you paddled my kid in school, you touched my kid, okay, I'm gonna sue you, and now you're no longer allowed mm-hmm. to, there's no corporal punishment. Oh, you singled my kid out in math class because they got an F. You embarrassed my kid, I'm gonna sue you for embarrassing my kid. This is how they gain control. So I think the foundation that is being set right now with your lawsuit, with Salmon's lawsuit, with Cal Rittenhouse lawsuits, hopefully they'll go through and be successful. 
we're not just going to sit down. We're going to use legal means to defend our rights and defend our freedoms. And hopefully that'll start to turn the tide back to, okay, just like you said, we have to take these people seriously. You know, um, when John and I were in college, colleges were very liberal, but it was very much in the back office. It was very much in, it wasn't out front. It wasn't being forced. So I was part of residence and dining halls. I was an RA. I was part of the residence and dining hall student government. The, the training we had to go through and some of the conferences we went to where decisions were made around um, the language that we were using and things like that, very liberal. But it, to John's point, it wasn't out on the public square. It wasn't in Ohio State's Oval or Penn State's Maine. And now it is. So I think these lawsuits and people like you standing up, can we can start turning this back. And, and like I said, just to my core point, it, it was the lawsuits that started all this. That's how they started to gain traction and shut the other side up. We need to use these lawsuits to really get our voice back. Really, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree too. And and really, that's what you did. That's what you did. Yeah. You were like, I'm not going to take this lying down. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna fight back. And that's what you did. And you ultimately won. And so there's that's a little shining uh, glimmer of hope, right? I hope so. I hope people, you know, look at that as an example of, you know, it's okay to fight back and say enough's enough. I mean, I definitely won't say that it's easier that you don't sacrifice things because, I mean, you do. I lost friends. I lost a job. I lost what I wanted to do with my life. Credit, I hold on to my faith for giving me direction and saying that, you know, nothing happens that it's not incidental. Like everything happens for a reason. And so, I mean, it, it just takes courage and recognizing that you're fighting on the good side um but i mean even kyle his own attorney went on fox news and did an interview and you know was suggesting that he should change his name and start a new life i mean he's 18 years old and is a, a national sensation um is that possible i don't know i mean he might have to have plastic surgery because everyone knows his face <laughs> now it's not that simple but it, it definitely, it rocked his world and it changed his life for sure. So yeah, not an easy you know, it's crazy because the media lied about Jacob Blake, the media lied about the Jacob Blake, uh, you know, riots, you know, even when I was in college and the LA riots were going on, hmm. uh, you know, back then they referred to them as riots. They didn't refer to them as protests, you know, right. or mostly peaceful protests. They rely, they, they call them, uh, you know, riots. Now, nowadays they call them mostly peaceful protests or protests or whatever, uh, you right. know? And so after they lied about Jacob Blake and they lied about the mostly peaceful protests, then they lied about Kyle Rittenhouse, even the, uh, you know, even Biden lied about him and so many, uh, you know, uh, people in in the media and so many people in hollywood everything they all came out they came out lied about him and then the truth came down and he was acquitted of all charges because the mm -hmm. truth actually still works in the justice system so then the media lied about the outcome of the trial right saying that it was yeah. uh, all white jurors and this that the other thing mm -hmm. And so what that did was that caused a man to go ballistic, get in his car and run 45 people over killing what six or seven people, including old, old people and kids. 
in Waukesha, Wisconsin. And then the media lied about that. And it seems like everything that they do and everything that they lie about just causes this mass chaos, you know, one thing after another. There's a lot of dead people because of their, their initial lie about, you know, about Blake in the first place. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's really their intention, right? They want chaos. They know that the, the way they push their narrative, the way that they get people to believe what they're saying is to create chaos, yeah. you know, and, and unfortunately too many Americans aren't willing to peel back the onion one layer and look at the fire in the background and say, wow, that doesn't look like a mostly peaceful protest to me. That looks like a riot. That looks like things are on fire. And so many people, I mean, I hate, oh my gosh, I can't even say, I'm going to say this, the view, the people that host the view have <laughs> zero, zero credibility, zero ethics. They will say whatever they're fed. They don't even care. They don't even care. And they get very self-righteous about what they're saying. The lies they have spewed before, during, and after the Cal Rittenhouse case, one, if they actually watched any of the case, they're absolutely liable for defamation because then they knew, they knowingly said the wrong things, or they're just they're just repeating this mantra. And it, the, the the loathing, the anger, the evilness is just there. It just come, it's like oozes out of them, and they don't care. They don't care that they're viewers are just taking their word and i don't understand why anybody takes the word of cnn the view msnbc why does anybody watch them but they because i think our culture is lazy we don't want to peel the onion back more than a layer i don't think many people watch them to be honest with you to to be you know their ratings are extremely low but for whatever reason um the nonsense that they they spout uh makes for good fodder on conservative media so conservative (laughs) media plays these idiots and they actually get uh, more views through conservative media than they do their own program. But yeah. uh, really, I want to get back to you real quick. So what is, what's next for you? You've graduated, right? You've got your bachelor's degree. I did. Yeah. I graduated in May with um, both my bachelor's political science and journalism. And now I am working on getting into law school and we'll start that in August. So. Oh, great. Any uh, yeah. law schools picked out? Have you, are you ready to like, name where you're going or do you want to keep that kind of private um i'm looking at a few i honestly haven't made a decision yet i mean i kind of put those things in my face and trust god that'll go where he or he needs me but i do have some you know that i'm looking at and we'll we'll apply to but it's exciting i mean i'm happy to be able to be representing people like me who felt like they didn't have a voice or a choice to push back against these you know whether it be governments or institutions that just feel they get the right to control their life and it's not the case when you push in the court of law. So that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Even Kyle has mentioned maybe going to law school down the road. So, yeah. you know, it's I funny, think- right? I mean, when you get impacted like this, it's such a young age. It's like yeah. maybe they're, maybe what they're doing to these young conservatives is going to come back to bite them in the backside when you guys are uh, just <laughs> killing people in the courtroom. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> Well, it's like a bully. I mean, you get pushed around long enough before you, you just punch back, right? Like you take as much as you can and then it's just enough and up and the gloves drop and you punch back. So I hope that people are starting to wake up and, and to do that. But. Yeah, I hope so too. I really thank you. Are you, so are you back in Wyoming now? No, I'm still here in Arizona. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. 
And uh, well, it's the perfect time to be in Arizona. The weather's perfect, right? Yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I appreciate you. You know, you're always welcome on the show anytime you want. And uh, anytime that uh, this crazy stuff goes down on ASU or any campus, uh, I'll be reaching out to you. Yeah, definitely do. I love to talk about it. And it's, it's just interesting to me. I mean, that they make a, a total enemy out of this kid when he's, I mean, he was just doing his constitutional right. I mean, yeah. he had no That's not right. to do he did. And for people to say that it was a racist case when everybody involved was white, there was no race involved at all. And then, you know, the very next day we have a black man acquitted of you know, these things that he was being charged with because of self-defense. The media, of course, never talked about that. It, it's just terrible to think, you know, that I was pursuing an education in something that has turned into one of the most lying and propaganda-pushing institutions our country has. And so wow. now I'm on the flip side fighting against it. You know, it's funny. It's one thing you mentioned before I let you go. You mentioned that uh, Kyle was white and that the three people he killed were white. You know, and a mm -hmm. lot of people in America until after the trial was over because they weren't watching the trial and everything that they had heard uh, as far as propaganda goes on the media, they had no idea that the three men that he killed were white. Right. Because in the, the media, the media portrayed it as a racial issue, as a white right. supremacist issue. And so they immediately thought that the victims, well, they weren't victims, but the uh, uh, the people that he had shot, the attackers, were white. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Right. It's there, insane. There, are, there are still people on social media. All the, like, like you said, John, all the facts are out. If, all you have to do is peel the onion one layer back, and yeah. you can see all the quotes and the facts from the trial. There are still people on social media saying the two guys he killed and the one the the other one he shot uh, that they were it was racially uh, motivated. And there's still people on social media that just won't listen to facts. They don't care. They don't care about facts, and they're still playing it as if this was a race crime and those people were minorities. It, yeah, and and to build off of that, uh, Lily, I don't know Lily fourteen in the comments. She made a great point too she said i see people still claiming to be emotionally affected and traumatized by the unlawful shooting and killing of jacob blake and the man is not dead he was not <laughs> killed <laughs> and oh even God. the media on like on cnn like the like the big talking heads the popular like people that are on all the time referred to jacob blake being dead multiple times and he's like on right. he's on social media said uh guys Still here. Right? Yeah, right. yeah, I mean, imagine how he feels. It's like the media is telling, you know, if you just would have died, we would have had a much better story here. Like, gosh darn you for living through this. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's uh, sick. But... And then, you know, with people not listening, the ones that don't pay any attention are these college students that live in their little oh bubble God, in the yeah. white ivory tower and don't pay attention. I mean, and have to say that. He can't come here. ASU is a gun-free campus, and we don't want murderers. It's like, okay, ASU is a gun-free campus, just like it's a dry campus, just like it's a drug-free campus. <laughs> they say, right. but who, I mean, come on. The bad people are still going to find a way to do this, and we have to have our right to be able to defend ourselves against those who won't follow those rules. And then they're making this whole, like, did you guys see that they're doing, like, an actual protest on campus on Wednesday to protest him? Right. That's Which sick. is like, I mean, you also have to imagine that if it's the ASU Socialism Club, 
they're going to show up to their sign making event, hoping that someone else brought all the signs for them. And <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous to me that these people are more worried about who attends their college, especially when ASU's mantra is we pride ourselves in who we include rather than who we exclude. And yet right. the majority of your population who are conservatives paying to get their degree there feel more excluded than they have ever felt before in their life, especially now. Unbelievable. And that really all falls back on the president, Michael Crow, right? That all falls yeah. back on his responsibility to follow through. Either ASU is a place of, you know, a welcoming every walk of life or they're not. Mm-hmm. It's either exactly. a, it's either a place for second chances, and I I heard that mantra from ASU, right? It's a place for second chances, or it's not. And yeah. let's you know stop BSing people, and uh, just be honest about yourself. And that's what I find so irritating about the left, is they're just dishonest about who they are and what they believe. Yeah, they preach toler. Yeah, they preach tolerance. Well, they are absolutely the most intolerant group of people. On the face Ever. of the earth. Yeah. Rayleigh, you're awesome. Let, oh, sorry. I Go ahead. You're fine. I was going to say they let the students run it. Like, where is the leadership to step in and say, no, this isn't who ASU is. This isn't what we believe. This isn't what we push. They're letting this group of socialists and multicultural whatever it is push <laughs> everything and make the rules. And it's got to stop. I mean, it comes from weak men who are creating the hard times that we all have to live through. That's right. Now, when you were on campus, was it common to come across like a group of students for justice in Palestine? Did you see a I, lot of people like walking around for the students for socialism? Or are these just like whiny, loud wheels? You know, the, 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 I don't know where these people come from because I seriously don't think they exist outside of the Internet. Like I've never <laughs> I've never seen them. I've never interacted with them. Credit. I was on the Phoenix campus. It was a lot smaller and I always had my nose in a book. But. I really don't feel like they they should have as much of a say and an impact as, as they do because it's such a small, small group. Yeah, I agree. They're just loud. Like you said, they're loud. On, right. uh, and for whatever reason, Michael Crow, he gives into these, these kooks because mm -hmm. he's, he's one of the kooks, right? Let's be honest. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. just as kooky as they are. And unfortunately, but, it's sad. Yeah, it is. I think for Kyle, though, there might be a silver lining because when I found out he was coming to ASU, I was like, no, run the other way. Don't go <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it works out in his favor, but gosh, I wish we didn't have to live in a world where other people got to choose what we did with our lives. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, man. Well said. Well said. Well, you're awesome. As always, I really appreciate you. you. And I wish all the best in the world for you. Uh, you'll have to let me know uh, when you decide uh, which uh, college you want to go to for law school. <clears throat> the Ohio, the Ohio State University has an amazing law school. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well. In, yeah, they do. And I actually was considering going there for my undergrad. Maybe I should have. But <laughs> I don't know. I think all colleges are pretty screwed up right now, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> wow. Well, just uh you know you're you're a an awesome voice out there and you're uh you know an inspiration to a lot of people so keep doing what you're doing don't be afraid to fight uh and like i said anytime uh if there's a topic that's uh hot right now as far as college goes um i would love to have you back on so 
Perfect. So thank you for inviting me on tonight. And I'm sure there will be more crazy college stories to talk about. So thank you guys for including me. <laughs> of course. Absolutely. Anytime, really. Take care. Have a great evening. And we'll talk soon. All right. Okay, sounds good. Have a good night. All right. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. If you're a conservative ready to stand firm in their beliefs and fight for freedom, you're not going to want to miss a single episode of the Raise Right podcast. You can subscribe on any of your favorite podcast apps so you're up to date on what's going on in the political world. Be sure to like, follow, and share our content on the Instagram page at Raise Right Podcast and Facebook and Twitter at Raise Right Pod. This is what it means to be raised right. Podcasts by Federated Media.